0: And maybe your Bible is still in that passage that we just read, or that I should say Blaze just read out of Colossians, which we will be referring back to, so you might want to go back to that. Did you catch what the theme has been this morning? Is there, is there one word that has popped to you in our worship time today? What's the word? Anyone catch it? It was in all the songs. Christ. Yeah, thank you, Larry. That was the word, Christ. And that's what we're going to be zeroing in on here for the next little while. Um, Before we go there, would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you. The words come to my mind when you were with the disciples and uh, you asked them, who do people say that I am? And, And they replied, well, some say that you're Elijah and some think you're John the Baptist and you responded with who do you say that I am and those words of Peter I say you are the Christ the son of the living God and Lord Jesus you responded by saying only the father revealing that to you would make you come to understand that and so father that's what we ask this morning even as Peter sat there says Caesarea Philippi talking and listening and paying attention and you quickened to his heart who this man was The one through whom creation was spoken. The great I am. The one who has always been. Would you reveal that to our hearts in the same fashion, I pray this morning. In Jesus' name. And all of his people said, amen. So a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege... Of bringing to an end two almost two pretty intense weeks uh, at the Art Center, as we partnered with the Music School and the Art Center, we've done a number of summers now with the musical drama camp, and this summer it was Cinderella. And I think there's some cast members in here. If you were in Cinderella, raise your raise your hand. Yeah, so, so yeah, there, there we go. So um, it was great. And one of the things I love the most about these summer musical camps is that I get a group of kids, and, and this year it was about 45 kids. We had enough for two complete casts, and we had them all at the same time every day for 10 days and it was just a riot and uh, about half of them maybe had been involved in this before so they kind of knew what to expect but about half of them you know never had in fact the second day one young man a little older boy probably sixth grade seventh grade he, he was kind of sitting off by himself and and uh one of the one of my assistants i said hey you need to talk to him uh, i said, hey what's going on I didn't know this was gonna be this. I don't wanna be here. <laughs> As a true seventh grade boy, right? I'm gonna to have to act in front of people. But you know, I just said, hey, give it a give it a give it a day or two and just see see what happens and just get involved and, and you're gonna make and sure enough, by the end of the second week, not only did he have friends and was having a good time, but he made a great king and he just was like, Yeah, I'm doing this next year and it's just like a complete attitude change. And I've just seen this over and over and over again. But there, there comes a moment in in those two weeks that, that's a key critical moment now you have to understand that we're just we just come in and practice and they come in they have their lines learn and we learn the songs and they learn blocking which is moving on the stage and they learn how to work through the set and everything um, on the stage um, but it's still they're just there's just kids right there's coming in and they're giving lines and they're doing a good job but but I tell them the whole week long guys This is about you becoming that character. You're not you anymore. You are Cinderella. You are the prince. You are the evil stepmother. I mean, whatever that needs to be at that moment, that's the only way you're going to draw the audience in is to become that character. That's what makes it believable. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then every year, about the same time, the same thing happens. And it happens when they get into costume something just have, they get into costume, and it's like, it's not the same group of kids. It's like, all of a sudden, everything that they've been learning clicks, and it just pops on, and all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, uh, that, th- there they are, and there it is, and I've just witnessed this over and over and over again. It's just amazing to me how, it's like, just some, something like putting on like a, an evening gown dress or a, a, a prince u- uniform or a, a crown, just can transform a person and they become that individual. Now, I use that as a way of illustration. Uh, and I'm going to come back to this in, in a few minutes. In theater, there's a term called suspended disbelief. Now, that that happens pretty much every time you watch any kind of dramatic entertainment. Um, maybe not so much TV because that's, that's a little bit... Uh, there's a distance. There's a too, the barrier is too big. But when you're in live theater, uh, that that component comes in really, really. It's really important. Suspended disbelief, and that is the audience lets go of the fact that um, they're watching a play, and they become immersed. Probably can happen in a movie theater because the lights are dark, big screen. You're kind of drawn in, and you get you know you, it it plays on your emotions and your intellect. That, that component of suspended disbelief is really really important otherwise you would just sit there and going oh, I'm just in this room and it's kind of some lights and that's like weird-looking sets and these kids are dressed up what is this all about and you miss the whole point so that element of suspended disbelief in theater is really really important now hang on to that because we exercise this this skill more times than not Uh, it's amazing how our wills can choose to grab on and reflect and believe on certain different things. So hold that, hold that concept, hold that principle, and let's jump into Colossians chapter 2. Now, we're going to read through all these scriptures again, but I'm not going to read through them all at once. We're going to break them out. Colossians Colossians 2 verse 16 starts with this. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So when the Apostle Paul admonishes the believers in Colossae to walk in Christ, he includes certain descriptives with this. He he unpacks it, rooted and built up, established in the faith, abounding in thanksgiving. Throughout the New Testament, we read similar directives and descriptives uh, which include this terminology like walking in him, Put on putting on Christ like one would maybe put on a piece of clothing and as I read through this I was reminded of how often this happens so if you'll bear with me here don't feel like you have to turn there, but I'm going to go through these pretty quickly just to show you how often this illustration is, is used. Romans 13, 13 and 14. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgy and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Galatians 3, 25 through 27 but now that faith has come we are no longer under a guardian for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith for as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ Ephesians 4 17 through 24 this is a little bit longer now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to due to their hardness of heart they become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity but that is not the way you learned Christ assuming that you have heard about him and were taught about him as the truth in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to, here it is, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. First, that's the Thessalonians. <laughs> Thank you. 5.8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breast... Pra- breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation and and that brings to mind that passage in Ephesians that our VBS was based on earlier this summer Uh, be strong in the Lord Ephesians 6 and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of God put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil Colossians 3 verse 8 but now you must put them all away anger wrath malice slander and obscene talk from your mouth Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have, here it is, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Colossians 3. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Colossians 3. Put on then, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. We see here, scripture paints a very clear picture of of the qualities which are characteristic of a life that is being impacted by the transformation process carried out by the Holy Spirit Re- remember last time the sermon I preached a few weeks ago we were talking about transactional grace you know, which is not at all biblical it's a system of, of weights and balances that determines our trajectory in the afterlife Rather, these descriptives, it's not saying you have to do these things, that they're, they're, they're to serve to give insight into what Christ-like qualities the life of a Christ follower reflects. It's not a matter of working towards and conquering them, but rather a deep surrendering of self as the spirit accomplishes the work as isaiah writes in chapter 61 i will greatly rejoice in the lord my soul will exalt in my god for he has clothed me with garments of salvation say if you're a believer say i am clothed they do this a lot in the south in the upper midwest not so much but i'm from georgia so just humor me Um, i am clothed with a garment of salvation it says, He has covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. These words aren't describing a prescribed action, but a state of being. So before we get in further, more deeply into the passage, um, there's this one great scene, and this just came to me a minute ago. This is a part of the sermon, but I, maybe someone needs to hear this. Um, this is like the greatest scene in Bob Newhart. How many of you remember the Bob Newhart show? How many of you remember what, what did Bob Newhart do for a living? He was a what? Yeah, he was a psychologist, psychiatrist. That's what he was, a counselor. We, today they would say he's a counselor. And so part of the series was devoted to his profession. And the opening scene in, in one of the episodes, there's a woman... And in his office, sitting in a chair, and he's sitting across this just looking at her. And Bob Newhart is just deadpan, as dry humor as a person could, can possibly imagine. And she's just going on like, well, I just, I just, I'm so depressed and discouraged. I just feel like no one's hate me, uh, that no one likes me, and everyone hates me. And I'm just so anxious all the time. And, and I just feel like that my life is just not worthwhile. And she goes on and on and on. And she's finally, and he just sits there and she says, doctor, can you help me? And he looks at her and says, well, yeah, I can help you. Thank you. What, what do I need to do? And he said, stop it. She like, well, he said, stop it. And she's like, well, wait, wait, wait. I, I had to stop it. Just stop. Stop it. And I mean, and he goes on like for two or three minutes, just stop it. And she's just stunned. But then after a minute, she kind of begins to get it. Now, here's the thing. What I'm not talking about is an act of our will where we just say, well, I'm just not going to do this anymore. It, it's very much a, the act of, of an act of our will, but, but it's applied in a different way. We apply our will in the act of surrendering. We align our behavior and our thought patterns with what the Word of God says, not what the world says. That's worth an amen. I'm going to say it again. We align our behavior and our thought patterns with what the Word of God says not what the world says. That's the first step toward putting on Christ, walking in Christ. Now remember, what did Jesus say? Basically, I'm going to summarize. And he said this numerous times in the Gospels. What the Father is saying, that's what I say. In other words, the words that I'm speaking, I I hear the Father saying. What you see me do is what I see the Father doing. That's astonishing if you think about it. And we have been given, the the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit is in place within us to walk in after the same fashion, the same manner. Okay, so going a little deeper, what does this mean? Three things. To be clothed in Christ means rejecting worldly or cultural, if you prefer that term, influences. Uh, In verses 8 through 10, it says this, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ for in him The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority so for us when we take that Bob Newhart scene and, like, want to take it hard and just stop it, it's, it's not a matter of just turning the faucet off and saying, okay, well, I just won't feel those emotions anymore. No, no, no. You might feel the emotion. The point is, you feel those emotions. Whatever it is you're going through, you say, Father, I'm giving this to you. I surrender because there's a greater good and a higher truth that's more relevant and applicable to me other than what I'm feeling right now. Moving on. Uh, it says here, the old adage, here are my notes, the old adage, you are what you eat, comes into play here. And I wasn't going to go here, but I just have to, just so that I think I can speak for Blaze and Caleb and, and John, and the elders, just so you know where we stand. Um, recently, very recently, the movie Barbie was released and is earning record-breaking box office revenue. The movie review website Care has this to say about the movie. It blew me away when I read this. Well, not really, it's just very disappointing. Outside the scenes included in the trailers, parents can expect a few other similar instances of sexual innuendo. A statement about the fact that Barbie dolls don't have, and goes into human anatomy. Some older kids might understand mild jokes and sexual references, but younger ones are unlikely to put two and two together. It goes on to say, Barbie is tame, when it comes to inappropriate content, but it also features a high-level story that might not resonate with youngest kids. Really? Barbie is tame when it comes to inappropriate content? No. Can I just say, no one, I'm just going to say it. You can be mad at me if you want to. Sorry out there, social media. No Christ follower should, should go and take in Barbie as this is good, wholesome entertainment. This is just fun. That what it preaches and what it and what it projects and what it gives is diametrically diametrically opposed to what we find in Scripture. And I'm just going to tell you: if you go to that movie and find yourself resonating with it, and this is good, you better check yourself. You better go back to the Word of God and see what the Word of God has to say about some of these things. So, don't shoot the messenger. Okay. Now, the fact that this uh, the writer of this article. Um, Categorizes the movie as tame After describing the grossly inappropriate dialogue and situations Gives us insight into just how far outside the norm of biblical holiness the world exists Which is why it is so important to follow biblical truth To guide our sense of morality and ethical standards I think I just said that And this is just one example We live in a day and a time where we're continually assaulted from every direction By a satanic onslaught that is designed to weaken and ultimately destroy us. We must constantly be on our guard. And when I say weaken and ultimately destroy, this is what I mean. Yeah, but you know, I would never do that. That's not so bad. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot of profanity, but I just kind of don't listen to it. Yeah, it's got one or two nudity scenes, but I just kind of ignore that and go on. I enjoy the movie. Again, Remember what we talked about suspended disbelief and that that place where you go into entertainment and it and, it, and you absorb it. I think you have to be really, really, really careful in, in adopting an attitude like that. And, and, and you can say it's got nudity, it's got profanity, it's got violence. I get that. I'm going to watch it anyway. That's more honest than trying to make excuses of why it's okay for you to watch. Now, I'm not preaching at you. No one, I mean, I'm not certainly in, in any place to condemn anyone for your own personal conscience and the choices you make and what you watch and feed yourself. I'm just saying that we need to be guarded and we need to be careful. So if you're struggling in an area of your life and you're like, I'm not sure why this is happening, what's going on? I must just be this crazy person or God's taking me through a trial. No, pay attention to what's happening in the 24 hours of your day. What are you giving attention to? Where is your mind? What are you watching? Watching? what are you listening to don't think that that doesn't play into how you live because it certainly does so it takes us to the next step to be clothed in Christ means assuming a new citizenship verse 11 in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism In which you were also raised through him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Our strongest defense against this onslaught that I was just kind of hammering on is to immerse ourselves into the kingdom culture, kingdom culture into which we were introduced as Christ followers. This immersion does not take place, doesn't come naturally or easily because of the war that's occurring in our flesh against the desires of the Spirit. And it's right there in chapter Romans 7 and 8. Romans chapter 7 and 8. There is, when you become a Christ follower, you're born again. The Spirit's made alive. Your mind is being renewed. But the flesh, the Bible says, is dead. And the flesh, the desires of the flesh, war against the desires of the Spirit. And so you the choice then is to feed your mind with the truth of God's Word or feed your mind with things that are just going to aid and abed the flesh in that in that war this is where the will becomes intentionally involved as I was talking about earlier in the act of surrendering so the Webster dictionary defines surrender like this to give oneself up into the power of another say listen to that again to give, that's a verb, to give oneself up into the power of another. Surrender is not a passive, tacit acknowledgement, but an active, effective experience. You are you are giving yourself up. Um, Jesus uses the term, take up your cross daily. Well, Mark, where do you get that? Well, the cross was an instrument of torture of death so that's the picture that it paints you can rest we don't see i mean if you're driving down jamestown by the courthouse here you're not crosses on the sidewalk with guys hanging on them that's just not how we do it today they're locked up in the jail but in jesus's time it would have been common on the way into jerusalem to see guys hanging on a cross being tortured and dying or dead and so when he used that terminology pick up your cross daily and follow me you can know that in the minds of those people, they went right to that place. What, what on earth? That There's that sense of, of giving up, of dying. The nature of our relationship with the Holy Spirit is such that we come to him willingly, humbly, obediently seeking after the change he's working to instill, never forgetting it is the pathway to life. Finally, to be clothed in Christ means embracing a biblical understanding of grace. Verse 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Follow me carefully here. This is is really important. One of the, I believe, one of the greatest losses to modern Christianity, particularly in highly affluent cultures, and I would include America in that, is is the world's concept of death. Ninety nine percent of people, if you talk about death, it's like that's like the worst. That's the worst thing that can happen. It, it, it's just. In the world's mind it's to be avoided at all costs it, life should be prolonged as long as possible and and so it's not uncommon in societies that hold to that mindset that then great lengths are taken to ensure health security financial freedom leisure I would say that those goals are idolized and they're sought after incessantly, because we want to be comfortable, we want to have a long life, and this is as good as it gets. We want to avoid death. I'm just not really sure what's going to happen. And even talk to believers, who are like, yeah, I, I believe, no doubt, I believe. There's a still element that I'm just I'm hoping that when I cross into death, that it's. It's all true. Okay, look at me. I want you to know there is no doubt in my mind when I take my last breath, whenever that might be, whose presence I will be in. I will be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe. Now, you may be sad that you won't see me for a short period of time. Some of you might be relieved. That's okay. Um, Whatever but don't be too sad because I will be experiencing life the way God intended for me to experience it. And I'll be experiencing it with a whole bunch of people who got there before I did. Amen? That's why Paul writes, for for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm not saying go out there and jump in front of a bus. I'm saying that our lives are in the Lord's hands and and the way he has created us is that we are to walk in faith, not in fear and not in anxiety, but to walk in secure confidence of who he is and what he said. Jesus puts it like this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. This is Matthew 6. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his or her span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing or Transportation or a job or reputation or the list could go on consider the lilies of the field how they grow They neither toil nor spin yet. I tell you even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven Will he not much more clothe you? Oh you of little faith Therefore do not be anxious there it is again This is Jesus, folks. So I'm going out on a limb here again. Bear with me. Don't shoot the messenger. I understand how powerful and potent emotions can be. Uh, I don't believe that Jesus would give us a command without giving us the wherewithal to carry out that command. When he says, don't be anxious, he means don't be anxious. But Mark, I really struggle with anxiety. Okay, so what do you do? You surrender that. You surrender that to the Lord. See, I'm, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust. Well, Mark, that might be easy for you to say. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm tempted with anxiety and fear just as much as the next guy. I just choose most of the time not 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 to let it phase me because I can't control it. be I I can't, but I know the one who can. Uh, those who are close to me will tell you, yeah, well, we've seen him in moments where he forgets that because it becomes really obvious those moments do. Uh, most of you haven't, and I hope you never do because I rarely go there. And I, I just firmly believe that's where we're supposed to live. But seek first. This is how it ends. But seek first. This is a pillowcase verse, as Caleb would say. But seek first. The kingdom, oh, not pillowcase, throw a pillow. I suppose it could be a pillowcase. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Get, get the horse in front of the cart. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Can you imagine a Super Bowl ad being framed around this truth? So many Americans are obsessed with anxiety and personal freedom and wealth and well-being and the relentless pursuit of these things rather than the things of God. And that's led us to a morally bankrupt neurotic culture that's cursed with an insatiable hunger for anything and everything except the only thing that will satisfy and that's the word of god can you imagine a super bowl commercial that focuses on this truth seek the kingdom of heaven first and his righteousness and let everything else take place what would happen you know who knows i mean maybe a bunch of people would get saved Or or maybe the NFL would go out of business, one of the two, which might not be so bad. Okay, and now I'm meddling, so let's finish this with a conclusion. At the very end, it says this, um, repeating that opening verse, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Coming back to what I said about Cinderella and the Arts Park musical, there's a huge difference in our putting on Christ and the cast of Cinderella getting into costume and into character those young actors as we were talking about for a few minutes were abandoning reality and placing themselves in a make-believe fairy tale and they were inviting the audience into that those few moments of make-believe but for Christ's followers it's the opposite We embrace reality and our part in God's great story whatever that might be which as C.S. Lewis puts it in the Chronicles of Narnia God's great story goes on forever and every chapter is better than the one before rather than exercising suspended disbelief making believe for the moment that we're in a different place at a different time we choose to walk by faith and not by sight. So what's our response then to all these directives? And I'm going to read this very carefully because it sounds like a to-do list, but it, and it is, but it's also a vehicle it's a pathway it's not doing these things which are going to make you something but it's in which it's this, these are points of obedience when we obey these things and walk in them it becomes the pathway to what God wants to accomplish in us And they're very simple read your Bible pray every day and everything give things even when it's not comfortable even in those moments when you're really really irritated someone even in those moments when you've been treated unjustly even in those moments when something grossly unfair has happened to you in everything give thanks husbands care for your families and lead them into godliness wives pray for your husbands and encourage them by your example children honor and obey your parents Paul puts it in Romans chapter 12. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. take a couple of minutes just to reflect this is just just you you and the lord ask yourself the question am i walking in christ if i were to if i were to categorize my life right now am i walking in christ have i put on these things which are so vividly illustrated in scripture or is every day just a struggle wherever you might be in this conversation right now would you take it to the lord and earnestly entreat him and ask him to open your heart and mind to the truth of scripture which you know and have heard and quicken some things to your heart just as peter was quickened when he said to jesus i say you are the christ the Son of the living God. And we'll take just a couple of minutes to do that before we sing. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, that is Christ, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them and him.